Given the show where we don't give a flick, nope. Still working on it. Nope. No, we're getting is that there. not it? It's getting closer. I, it's getting closer. I, I keep on trying to make that one work for whatever reason. Anyway, uh, my name's Peter. Uh, with me today is uh, Connor. Hello, Internet. And Matt. Yes. Hello. Uh, we, it's a it's a trio for this episode. Yeah. yeah no, no, Frank. Today, Frank has um, been banished. Frank. <laughs> Frank is sitting this one out, which is which is uh, all right, but it is uh, another episode of uh, Peter's Film School. Uh, the the movies that I feel like I probably would have watched, or or classics that I have missed. Um, and uh, today's pick, as you can see by the title on your device, is Raging Bull, uh, the 1980 movie by Martin Scorsese. So, uh, how 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 excited are you guys to watch this? Uh, I've I've seen Raging Bull. I'm, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been it's been a minute. I saw Raging Bull in college. Uh, um, I'm not not looking forward to it. Uh, so, so I should say, what what? How how do you guys feel about about Scorsese in general? He is very much hit or miss for me. Um, yeah. There there are some movies that really speak to me, like Bringing Out the Dead and even Gangs in New York, and then. Um, and even de- departed, but then there are things that I am utterly uninterested, like the Irishman. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm curious to see if the the high school me's interpretation of this movie has changed or or been reaffirmed upon a rewatch. I, I will say before watching this, this is one of the movies that feels like the film bros, film bro, like top movie of all time. Oh, I can't like, wait to start into that conversation. <laughs> it's definitely it, it, one it, of them. Definitely one it, of them. It feels like it's up there. It feels like, you know, if there was a Chad of the movie bros, <laughs> this this would be the, the one that he would tout. So I've never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, I have the the only thing I know about it. It's a it's a boxing movie. It's got De Niro, it's got Pesci. Uh, I think it's their first movie together. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. And it is. And it's it's fairly early on in Scorsese's career. Yeah. Um, and that's really the only thing that I know about it. So yeah. I'm excited to get into it and uh, let's put it on. Bull, the Raging Bull. Let's hear it for the great Jake LaMotta, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the best. I can take him on anybody. You're dead. You're married. Leave the young girls for me. There's no way I'm going down. I don't go down for nobody. Listen, man. Why does he have to make it so hard on himself? If you beat Trigger Ray, you'll get a shot at the title. You feel that way? There's no one else around who wants to fight me. They're all afraid. There's a lot of bad things, Joey. Maybe it's coming back to you. And we're back. Um, I don't know that that's what I was expecting. Huh. Um, what when, were you expecting, Peter? Yeah. So, so, so my first 
perspective, my my first sort of thought about this is this is a movie about boxing that is inherently disinterested in boxing. Mm-hmm. Yes, this this movie is is sort of classified as one of like the the greatest sports movies of all time, and it is not interested in the sport at all. Disagree, and I, I, yeah. did use, <laughs> I was going to say disagree. <laughs> it I, is in I, so many ways not about the sport at all. Exactly. Well, and and it's it's clearly meant to be more of a biopic. Um, about Jake LaMotta, who was a real person. Uh, this movie is based on his autobiography. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, LaMotta met uh, De Niro and gave him a copy of his book personally and signed it to De Niro as like the only guy who could ever like portray my my crazy life. And yeah, then actually, De- w- when we get into the history of it, um, Robert De Niro has so much more to do with this movie get being made than just being in it. Yeah. yeah. And Lamont was kind of his boxing coach for a little, a little bit too. He he was his boxing coach. Um, in fact, uh, as it, to, to get ready for this movie, uh, De Niro got into three sanctioned boxing matches, one two, and Lamont <laughs> thought that he could be a legitimate middleweight boxer. Holy shit! I did not know that. Not only did he think he, would, he could be a legitimate middleweight boxer, he thought he could be a great middleweight boxer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he said he was like one of the top twenty greatest middleweight boxers he's ever seen, or something like that. Um, let's let's kind of get into to what the movie is about so if if you're not familiar with raging bull um i i guess does anyone want to take a stab at a one sentence challenge i mean it it is it's the life and times of of jake lamada like that that's pretty much it it feels very much like um the longer version of a link letter film where instead of it's just being a slice of life in a given day or a night or whatever, it's a slice of his life from kind of reaching the peak of his career to where he landed off in the sixties. About an incredibly unsympathetic dude too. Yeah. Yeah. At at the risk of editorializing, my one sentence challenge would be asshole repeatedly makes bad decisions and ruins own life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is a story about abusers and the damage that they do to themselves and others. Uh, absolutely, and 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 this is it, it. If there's one thing that I feel like is really consistent with a lot of the movies that are consistently lauded as like Scorsese's best, mm. it's about bad people getting what they deserve and people who love it, those movies taking exactly the wrong message from them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is one of those movies. Yeah. When you, when you were debating off mic between Taxi Driver and this movie, there was some conversation about about like the political like the political angle of Taxi Driver. Yeah. And ta- I mean, and, and like that's the that's the exact the like the er example is people thinking that Travis Bickle is some kind of um, hero. Yeah. Which is why also I was I was more inclined to watch this one right now than Taxi Driver just by virtue of how much more politically infused that one is. And I just mm-hmm. didn't have the bandwidth to deal with that right now. Yeah. <laughs> this movie did win two Academy Awards uh, for editing and best actor for De Niro, who who I think De Niro deserves it. I mean, the, the amount of work that De Niro does in this movie is is astounding. Yeah. Oh, my well, God. I mean, he he's an, uh, he's an uncredited writer. Yeah. On it. Like he, you know, he and Scorsese like went out to like an island somewhere and wrote the first series of, of drafts and then finalized it too. Um, like Scorsese worked with Paul Schrader who had written Taxi Driver for like the middle section where like the, the movie really t- took shape. But Scorsese, uh, but De Niro really um, 
pol- helped polish it to you know what the movie winds up being. Yeah. The the legend is that Scorsese ODs on cocaine, and mm-hmm. De Niro visits him every day in the hospital with this book to be like, "Come on, I you know this is the thing that's going to get us back. This is going to going to help keep you clean. We're going to throw you into this work." And then they go down to Saint Martin to like help keep Scorsese like dry and strung out. Or not strung out, just just dry. And uh, uh, the, he basically talks to him. And Scorsese had no interest in boxing at all. No. Scorsese is is not interested in sports. It's it, I mean, it's really evident in the film. He's not interested in boxing. He says he's not interested in boxing. But he was able to make enough parallels with sort of the drama and the theater of boxing with with how a, a life could be played out. Um, and and that all being said, I think from a from a photography perspective, they do some really interesting things with how they, they shoot a lot of the matches. Oh God. Mm -hmm. Yes. That, that to me is the, the, the best part of the film is the technical aptitude with which they are actually shooting these matches and how visceral they, they get with them. All that, that, that is great. I think really the, it's the, the thing that always takes me out of it is just, is the, the people who are involved with the boxing, the inside baseball, (laughs) so to speak of the, of the boxing match world. Yeah. Well, I mean, jumping straight from his first match with I forget who it's who it's with Sugar Ray, isn't it? it uh, he fights Sugar Ray like six times yeah, in this movie. That's true. Let's just say it was Sugar Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which the guy that plays Sugar Ray is great. Yeah. No, uh, Jimmy Reeves. Jimmy Reeves. Oh, okay. He's fighting Jimmy Reeves. Um, who I I don't know who that is, but that's who he's fighting. And he goes. They go straight from the fight where he loses on a technicality to screaming at his wife about steak. Yeah. Um, is, is, I mean like that, 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 that like two, like two minutes in either direction where it's like boxing, 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 screaming at his wife is basically what the entire movie is going to be. And I mean, it's nice that they introduce us to that formula early. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of that rinse and repeat where he's lashing out at the people around him who are closest to him. He's he, for, for some reason he didn't, and I wish that we got some sort of an explanation about why he's just paranoid that everyone around him is fucking him over constantly. That's yeah. that's the only thing that he actually trusts is that he thinks his wife, both wives, you know, he, he has a second wife later on in the movie. He thinks both of them are running around on him. He he thinks they're, you know, his brother is intentionally trying to screw him over and or sleep with his wife. Um, he, you know, certainly doesn't trust the, the boxing commission. He doesn't trust the the mobsters who are trying to prop him up, which is probably rightly so. Um, he, he's he's so immediately self-destructive that you can already tell where the movie's going in like the first five minutes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a control. It's a control thing with him. Mm-hmm. He, he wants, I mean, even like the way he like. All of the fights with not all the fights, but a majority of the fights with his wives starts with him giving them an order and them getting mad at him for for ordering them around. Yeah, um, you know it's a it's a story of a man that can only relate to the world by punching it. Yeah, um, and uh, like outside of the ring, he's he may not be physically punching stuff, but he's certainly emotionally punching stuff. And people, although he is it's, it's, physically punching stuff outside of the ring, quite I was a bit. About to say, he's, he's also often physically punching stuff, and also just wanting to be hit to the yes. point where he will hit himself. Yeah, just to yeah. prove that like nothing can hurt him. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to feel, like I I don't know whether it would make the film better or not, or or I. I I think my my issue was I I was too looking for 
a reason to have some level of sympathy or, or yeah. and, and understand at least, okay, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but I can see that he got fucked up by this thing. And like, this is an explanation of like how chains of abuse work or whatever, but we never get that. So it's just, it's like he comes out of the ether as this narcissistic bastard and just continues to, to fail upwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's funny in that, like, it's a, it's a story about a very emotionally immature man and the movie itself is very emotionally immature about it. It's just like, this is the way it is. This, yeah. is, this is what it this, is. This is to me is the most like New York film school edgelord like yeah. shit. Like I, like this is the stuff that when I was going to high school in the New York city area, going to, to film classes and going to, to film school in New York, like all, all the, the, the kids who, who idolize Scorsese, like this was the stuff that they fed off of, of yeah. just like really beautiful images or well, be, but well, well crafted images and just either garbage people or terrible situations that create those images. Mm-hmm. He does. Which, I mean, it, it certainly appeals to, I mean, I, 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 there was a quote from, um, Tom Waits where he says, I love, I love beautiful melodies telling me terrible things <laughs> that like when I was, when I was 19, I would have gotten tattooed on my chest. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it is like this movie was designed in a lab for, for like for <laughs> film bro edgelords. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's actually interesting watching it now, you know, more than 10 years later since the last time I saw, since I saw it in college. Oh yeah. Um, and I, it's funny. I didn't remember a lot of this movie. I, I remembered the, you know, did you fuck my wife scene? <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Which, which apparently, so, so there's a scene where, where it's, it's De Niro and, and Pesci and they play brothers in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pesci is, is De Niro's like manager slash hype man slash brother. Yeah. And you know, De Niro, you know, as the, the aforementioned sort of paranoia as Jake LaMotta it immediately assumes that, uh, Joe Pesci as his brother is Joey. That's his name. Uh, is is fucking his wife, and they get into this screaming match where they are literally hitting each other. And it turns out they were actually hitting each other, which is not good. You know, fight choreography protocol. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, and and it's a it's a super intense scene, but. I, I think that is kind of like King Edgelord scene, but well, yeah, that's, that's the context. It's, it's that whole sequence of it's starting with fixing the TV to getting into the argument to him go confronting his wife. And by virtue, it's, it's the same principle as torture. It's like, if you put somebody under enough, enough stress, they'll, you know, confess to stealing the Lindbergh baby. And that's the point that she gets to where she's like, is this what you want to hear? Is that I admit to fucking every single person that you've ever met in your life? Fine. Yeah. And that if that's what you need to hear, then that's what you need to hear. And he takes that at face value and goes immediately to beat the hell out of his brother <laughs> with not Try a second thought with in front of his kids. <laughs> and that that's, that's like, the capsule of of who this character is, at least within the the, the confines of the film. Um, I've never read his autobiography, so I can't necessarily speak to who he was as a person, really, in real life. But at least this character that is um, that that's him in a nutshell. Does this movie make you want to read the autobiography? No. No, because I want nothing. I want nothing to do with Jake LaMotta anymore. Like, like I'm done. He is almost, and despite saying I wanted to avoid 
political shit. It's like it it very much rings to me of like someone with the lack of self-awareness as a certain former president of ours who yeah. also has a narcissistic paranoia disorder shit going on and just like because he keeps succeeding because of like the arena that he happens to be in he feels like he's doing no wrong. And even I would imagine his autobiography would reflect that like, he's the good guy in all of this. Of course he is. Oh, yeah. Can't you see that? And like that, that, that level of, of ugh, like it, it just, it, it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> so, so again, there, there, you know, I, I did a bunch of sort of half-assed inter- internet research. There's a story that says when the real Jake LaMotta saw the movie for the first time, that was the first moment that it hit him. He was like, man, I was a real prick. And he went to his ex-wife. He went to the real life Vicky. He was like, was I that bad? And she went, you're, you were worse. Yeah. You know, this movie actually paints you in a better light than you actually were. So, it, it, you know, it takes that big of a mirror for a narcissist to actually see how much damage he's doing sometimes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, which is why it's like, I don't think I would be able to read the autobiography because that's, that would be written by him before he had that self-reflection. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So like, and, and that, that's ultimately the other, the, what, what gets to me tiresome with the film is, is we're really just seeing the same cycle occur over and over again, just in different like backgrounds and potentially with different characters. It's like, he's not learning anything. It's just, he's going through the same motions every, with every, every person that he meets. Um, and even to the point where it's like, he, he, he dude gets arrested and ends up in jail in a padded cell and still comes out of it and, you know, gives his, you know, on the waterfront psych up speech at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's a little stand up thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, there is no change whatsoever. Um, which it, it should be, you know, mentioned too, that the reason he ends up in jail is for statutory rape essentially. Well, you know, because this is the other thing we didn't mention is that at least again in the world of this movie, the way that the story is portrayed, he met his second wife when she was fifteen and almost married her when she was nineteen. Yeah, and almost immediately coaxed his brother into introducing the two of them, and then started sleeping with her while he was still married with his first wife. And based off of what we're seeing in the film, before she was of age. Yeah, that, that that is pretty well assumed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, the guy's a real piece of shit. Um, the the real Jake LaMotta, uh, he he only died in 2017. He lived to be 95. I was gonna say it's like yeah, pricks live forever. I mean, like they yeah. really do. Like the, the, it's it, it. There must be a a, a uh, whatever gene is associated with narciss- narcissism must also be associated with long lives because they just keep on living. So the other like notable thing about this movie is that in the last like third of the movie, uh, De Niro puts on sixty pounds yeah. to play older Jake LaMotta, um, which at the time was like the most weight that anybody had gained. It, it would go on to be surpassed by Vincent D'Onofrio in, in Full Metal Jacket when he put on seventy pounds. Mm. Um, but it, you know, it, I think that really speaks to just like how all in De Niro was. In this movie, yeah, um, it, I I think that the Oscar is probably well deserving. I have I have no idea who he's actually up up against. Let me check on that. I mean, he was up he uh, he was up against some heavy. He was up, he was up against Peter O'Toole. Good lord. Um, but in f- I, I I watched his I watched his acceptance speech because I was just searching around yesterday. Yeah, I mean, um, he put in the work. I won't dispute that. 
Yeah, I mean that that also it's it it it, it speaks very much to the time in which this movie was made. I mean, 1980s getting towards the end of um like the new Hollywood era, but this is very much like a bunch of like artists at their height um engaging with their art in a way that is almost also art itself. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like, sure. You, you have the, you know, the actors volunteer to punch each other for real because they think, because like that, that's going to, they think that that's, a, that's going to be the best thing for their performance and the, and thus the movie. But also it's also, isn't maybe a little bit about how you can tell people after you've, you've, you've done it that we were punching each other for real. Like, is it, yeah. might, might it just be because you think it's cool that you're doing that? That's the edgelord component I was talking about. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. And, um, and I guess the, 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 the ways in which I have changed in the, in the 12 years since I've watched this movie or whatever, uh, is I, I have gone from, a little bit of respect to that f f to open contempt. <laughs> yeah. I, think it's, I think it's just massively irresponsible. And I mean, with the punching in particular, but yeah, it, it's also like not what the craft of acting is about. Yeah. I mean, and the reason I fell in love with film to begin with is the magic of it. And, and mm -hmm. that you could fabricate something and show it to me. And I, my, I believe that it's real. Or, or at least understand that you're, you're. It's a magic trick, but, but the how, how convincing this magic trick is, and all of that goes out the window the moment it's just like, yeah, we're just going to film two guys punching each other. Like there are artful ways to do that, and and we've we, I mean, the film film culture as an art form has been doing that for over a century. Yeah. So I don't, and I don't think it adds anything else to the the film to, to have two actors physically harming each other. It's the same issue that I generally have with method acting um, or, yeah. or, or directors like not telling their actors thing, like, like the, the thing of with die hard with not letting Alan Rickman know when he was going to let him go. Cause right, it's like, yeah. Oh, you don't trust a professional actor to act. So you're going to just scare the shit out of him while you're filming it. Like all of that stuff is, to me, especially these days for the birds. Yeah. And a lot of like the energy of this movie is kind of that <laughs> it's kind of like, we're like, we're playing at this super high level man. And like, and we like, and the thing is, is this might also be one of the best films ever made. Is it though? Is it though? <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the trouble that I'm having with this movie. Is like I the thought that so, I had last, so, the, the thought that I had last night. Hmm. This is one of the greatest movies ever made, and I hate it. <laughs> so, so, so that 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 is kind of my question. So, I've got a couple of questions that I, I kind of want to throw out to to the group. Why is this movie a classic? I don't know. I I honestly was watching this today, and I I don't know why. It's like it's not even to me like in the top five Scorsese films that so that was going to be another one of my questions is is this a top five Scorsese no. film like it is is Gangs of New York better I mean the first half yes. certainly is um is After The Wolf Hours of Wall is Street is better 
After Hours, King of Comedy, Casino, uh, uh, you know, Goodfellas, that's just off the top of my head. For God's sake. Yeah, yeah. If Goodfellas, we're going to talk about yeah. doing a picture about somebody who's not a great person, like yeah. that, that's a better portrayal of that story. That's a full arc. Yeah. That's, that's an arc about somebody who thought he wanted something, got it, and got the consequences of that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, that to me is the, that's the better version of this story. Um, well, I guess Connor, I think, yeah, tell me why I, you still think it's it's one of the best films ever made because I'm I'm curious, well, I'm earnestly curious. Yeah, it will, and, and like and like what Peter was saying, like why why do people consider it a classic? I think there's a lot of elements all together in this one soup in this in this soup mm. that um that mesh together in a beautiful way. Like it's like like you said, there there really is not much much in the way of an arc here. There's just sort of events that happen in time and thus the movie becomes sort of a series of vignettes. Yeah. Um, which is why I think people like Zack Snyder movies so much. Cause that's very much what, what Zack Snyder movies are. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the events within those vignettes are technically incredible. Um, at least the, at least the, the, the boxing scenes are technically incredible. Yeah. The, um, the act and the acting, as much as we were ragging on like the methody punch each other thing, the the acting is, if nothing else, magnetic. I, I think it's very good. And I think if, if there's somebody to blame sort of for the things that we find repulsive about sort of how the acting went about, that, that's on Scorsese for, yeah. for not putting up the, the appropriate guardrails or, or you know, knocking off the method shit. Well, uh, there is another story where when uh, De Niro shows up to set 60 pounds overweight, he shut everything down because he thought that that was just self-destructive behavior. He's like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Well, and, and I think I think that's just egos. And, and, the, and I think a lot of the problem that, a lot of the problems of like the way the movie goes about getting made is ego poisoning. Mm. Um, especially on Robert De Niro's part, because I think he, you know, I think he saw this as an opportunity to show the world after taxi driver, everything he could do as an artist, not even as a movie star. I think he, I think he really, it's like, it's like if Jared Leto had talent, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine what a what a monster he would be if if Jared Leto was actually good good at acting? It depends on the movie. I I have some defense of Jared Leto that I I don't want to get into in this. Is one. it Morbin time, uh, Peter? It's it's never Morbin time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the and and I think the things that make this movie sort of stick in people's heads are the boxing scenes. Oh yeah. Um, because they are just visually extreme, so impressive. Like the, the, the flash bulbs to the, the, the flash bulbs to the, uh, freeze frames effect is, I think probably the first time anybody had seen something like that before. Yeah. The transitions from slow motion into, uh, full motion is, um, very flashy and um, very, very well executed. And that's really impressive. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's so much about the way the movie is made is just so beautifully executed. And also the moments where, where Martin Scorsese just sort of sets down a camera and, and lets um, Robert De Niro go um, are um, cathartic. 
so so one of the brilliant things so so there's there's so this is a two-hour movie there's less than 10 minutes of boxing in the yeah. movie total mm. one of the best boxing scenes and not that the boxing is good but that i i think it's a the one of the most dramatic parts of the movie is the last fight with sugar ray yeah where the 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 last knockout punch and the blood's flying everywhere the smartest thing that Scorsese did was he stole the shot list from Psycho from the shower scene. <laughs> yeah. he, he literally did. This is a self-admitted thing that he's talked about, where the yeah. the you know you it cuts to to Sugar Ray's fist yeah. up in the sky mm. and then goes back and you see the blood splash and like the, that that dramatic buildup that horror movie tension is just executed really well because again this isn't actually a fucking boxing movie yeah right. So I, and I I appreciate that, and I certainly understand the effectiveness of homage, or in this case, just rote copying shot lists. But to me, and I'm coming at this from a storytelling perspective, is that you still need something to string all of these moments together to to make mm, me yeah. care about it, and that wasn't mm. there. Like like yeah. Connor, you were talking about how the acting was magnetic. It's so at least from my eyes now in 2022 as, as a 30-something year old man, it's so extra that it pushed it into farce for me to there are moments where I was mm. laughing at him screaming mm. at his wife about the steak. I was laughing during mm. the fuck my wife sequence. Like, because it, it's yeah. just, it doesn't read as true to me. It just reads mm. as, as um, satire almost. And yeah. it, it's partially probably because Raging Bull has become such a, a, a major component of the film lexicon that it's yeah. it's just been overdone, like James Bond or Star Trek or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and those idiosyncrasies of working class Italian Americans in New York City have become comedy which, in, in the last 40 years. Yeah. And like having grown up in an Italian American family as, as second generation, like... I, I, I see those, I have seen some of those moments to a degree, but not to the, uh, turned up to the 11 or 12 that I feel like yeah. this movie turned them up to. And maybe that's, that's just because of my background and where I'm at in life and where we are in time. Um, but I think those are the things, at least for me, that, that keep me from thinking, I, I can totally agree that this is technically visually, um, and it, it, it's worth looking at, but then again, I also, you know, watching a train wreck in slow motion is intriguing to look at too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the magnetic acting that I was more talking about, um, and I wasn't clear was, um, the moments where he's by himself. Mm. And, yeah. That's fair. Um, and, but on, but like to your point, Matt, the movie that, that could be, that could be a scene about Robert De Niro just, you know, being Robert De Niro. It doesn't have to necessarily be Jake LaMotta having a breakdown in a in a yeah. in a in a cell. There's a moment that might help that 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 I'm that, that I immediately thought of to to kind of illustrate what you're talking about where um he's in the sauna trying to cut weight. Yeah. It's it's like maybe a twenty second sequence where his trainer comes in. You see the the steam from the sauna on the window, which he does a really 
a lot of really cool stuff with steam and smoke in this movie yeah. executing on the black and white and then he comes in to check on him and he's like shadow boxing or jumping rope or something mm-hmm. like in the sauna he's like i'm gonna cut the fucking waiter or something like that but it's just like him like trying to psych himself up mm-hmm. uh and and i feel like that that is one of those scenes where you just like can't look away yeah speaking of that this is one of the sweatiest movies ever made. <laughs> oh yeah I don't think appropriate one for when thing we're you filming. Have to granted, is I don't think sweat has been better portrayed on film ever. At least my experience of sweat, pretty which much. Peter can attest, is pretty intense. There's a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's like I said. I I will not dispute how visually impressive the film is. Um, yeah. Like it, it the the most films made in the color era have the failing of like nobody knows really how to light for black and white, but there are totally moments, especially in the boxing matches and things like that, where he's playing with texture and he's playing with shadow and gradient of light. And you can tell that he's conscious of, of the fact that that's, that's the strength that he's playing to with that film stock. This is also one of the first boxing movies because it, it got compared to Rocky a lot, obviously. Um, and all of the the boxing sequences in Rocky, they were actually interested in the boxing, so they shot it from outside of the ring as though you would be seeing it, you know, on television. Yeah, yeah. In this movie, there's a ton of sequences that happen being shot inside the ring, either from the perspective of the boxers or either up close when, yeah, you know, like super up close with guys just getting pummeled, um, which I think is is somewhat discounted as as a revolutionary <laughs> uh, way to 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 look at it. Uh, yeah, I've actually I've actually heard Scorsese talk about this because he was he was saying that you know a lot of the, a lot of the times you know you'll just sh- you'll block out a boxing scene and just place cameras like you would for TV and just pick your shots and he says that's not directing. Also, the like you said like the point like you said the point of the boxing scenes are completely different in Rocky and in and in um, Raging Bull because yeah. Rocky is trying to achieve something and. Rocky is to the West Wing as Raging Bull is to House of Cards. (laughs) Um, I was about to say Veep. Well, Um, yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, the the point of the boxing in in Raging Bull seems like it's sort of like sadomasochistic. exercise and also the one place that um, Jake LaMotta has any real power because he's actually a good boxer mm-hmm. and um, what else <laughs> it's, 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 it's go ahead it when, when you chart the, the the like emotional arc of this movie it's a flat line yeah and I think that's the biggest fault of this movie that we keep on kind of kind of coming back to. <laughs> Matt, I, w- I was curious on your thoughts as a f- as another film student of um, the sound design of the boxing matches, where he throws in like lion roars and the sounds of traffic and shit. Yeah, it <sighs> that that was that that almost kind of got a laugh from me it, because again, it's one of those things that like forty years ago changed the world or changed the way people thought about stuff like that, and now it's almost a trope or a cliche. Yeah. It well and I think that that's part of the problem of just the, the march of time having its effect on this film of 
he's, I understand what he's trying to do is shock the audience in a way that they're not expecting watching a boxing match. It's kind of, but then the, the, my closest comparison to that is when they, they did the same fucking thing with fire and backdraft. And now I'm comparing (laughs) raging bull to backdraft. Like what kind of like, so that's, there's your problem. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, it, I, I under, like I said, I understood the thing at the time, but I think there are ways, you know, talk to Ben Burt. There are ways to include weird noises into your, your sound design in ways that your audience registers it on a subliminal level, but it doesn't make them go, why is, why am I hearing car horns during a boxing match? Like there, there are ways to do it a little bit less bonk bonk on the head than I feel like a lot of it was done here. Yeah. Fair. I also think you Um, could cut like 35 minutes out of the film, like lose a couple vignettes and yeah, cause nothing's changing. So like, it's just, it's, it, you know, you could lose a a good chunk of like the first couple of rounds of like him going through matches and fights with his wife it feels like there's a really good short film in there. Well, is like if this was if this was a student short film, like, and it was one ten minute sequence, everybody'd be like, "That's really impressive." What are you going to do with an actual story? Like, that's that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, this is again, you know, Martin Scorsese's name is going to get continue to throw around a lot longer than mine, and we can definitely say that when he has a story to work with, he executes it well most of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, to your point, he has made variations on this movie. He's still making variations on this yeah. movie. I mean, Wolf, yeah. Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street is, I mean, I haven't seen it, but my understanding is that yeah. it's very much it, asshole makes bad decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just at, a, just at a different level of spectacle. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, 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 you get, he has, you know, a $500 million budget as opposed to, you know, 10 right. million or whatever this guy made for. Yeah. Um, if it, so if you were teaching a film, school class and you were working off of somebody's syllabus and they were like you know we're we're gonna talk about raging bull this day mm. what would be the one sequence that you would teach and why hmm. for me i i kind of gave it away earlier but it would be a side-by-side of the psycho shower scene and that last mm. yeah knockout punch from uh sugar ray i think that the the moments honestly that stick with me the most are when he's the over the hill dude running his little nightclub. Oh, the stuff. club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I. Yeah, I mean that would be. I mean, or or just you take one of the more v- visceral boxing boxing matches. I think the, the whichever one ends with the like a, a just a a shot along the rope until it ends on blood. Yeah. yeah, like just just to be able to display this is a very well technically crafted action sequence, essentially. Um, and yeah. those are those would be the the elements of this film that I would want film students to to get from it, with the caveat of, but you need something to back this up with. You need to make sure that your audience cares about the people that are that you're showing in front of this camera, right. I agree. I, I would. I, I mean, yes. I, if I if I was going to do that, and I wasn't allowed to pick a boxing scene, <laughs> I would do the fight in the Copacabana. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, with, with Pesci. With, and, with Pesci. Yeah. That is one of the, I mean, we, we, you talk about, the, you talk about the bike, the boxing scenes being visually, um, compelling. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Compelling. You talk about the, the boxing scenes being visually compelling. Holy shit. The fight in the Copacabana is just chaos, yeah. utter fucking chaos. And the way that Scorsese manages the chaos, um, is, uh, probably the best part of, well, it's not the best part it is, is just really excellent. And, um, yeah. And visceral the, the, and terrifying. The other scene that's kind of like that, that it mirrors is what the, I think it's the first fight at the beginning where it ends in, in like a riot or like one of the, mm-hmm. I think it's the first fight with Sugar Ray and the chair gets thrown. Yeah. Yeah. And the there's, lady gets trampled. There's a weird element of like mass violence in the first third of the movie that gets kind of lost. Yeah. As the movie goes on. And I'm not sure why it's there. I think that um, that comes from. Scorsese's borderline contempt for boxing. Mm. I think that it's very much him trying to set the tone of this is how I view this sport. Um, nowhere else in a like not even in you know Rocky Four when Apollo Creed's getting the, the the life literally beaten out of him. Do you have a shot that cuts away to just blood being thrown on the audience like it's a, a Gallagher skit? Yeah. Um. Yeah. But that's but it's the in this movie because like that's that's the lens that he's approaching this with. Mm-hmm. Well, and well, and I guess um, I, I'm, I'm thinking more of um, there's the, the the riot scene after the first boxing match. There's the big fight at the dance that's going that's going on almost in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know, how, like that that dance scene ends with like a bunch of guys getting thrown out and mm. it ends with Robert De Niro sort of pushing one all throughout that scene. There's a, there's like a fracas going on in the background. Yeah. Um, that's never really mentioned. And I have no idea why it's there. Um, if, unless it's to like, um, illustrate just how violent the place that, um, Jake LaMotta came from is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, and then there's the the big fight of the Copacabana, which I think the, I think those are all sort of of a piece. And um, I'm not sure what's going on there. I, I I was hoping you guys had insight. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is to not give the audience a moment to breathe, to to give you the idea mm. that there is always some sort of a conflict going on, um, which ultimately for a two hour and 10 minute film becomes exhausting, at least for me. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's yeah. that, I mean, that, that would, that was kind of what I took from it. Um, is, is this man's life is constantly from his perspective, a fight forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the only level of, of like pity that I have for him in that respect is that, that has to be so tiresome. Like, I can't imagine living in that that headspace, and that's that that is the one respect with which I feel sorry for him. Um, doesn't change the fact that you know he he is portrayed as a very reprehensible person. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I that's that's all that that's what I had gotten from it. So De Niro has been nominated for 
a Best Actor Academy Award uh, five times, and this is the only one that he's won. And mm-hmm. I, I, I was going to ask, of the other five, so he's nominated for Taxi Driver, The Deer Hunter, Raging Bull, Awakenings, and Cape Fear. Raging Bull is now the only one of those movies that I've seen. <laughs> um, if, if you've seen any others, would yeah. you have given him the award over this performance? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, because they're all very different performances. They're all very, yeah, they're all very different performances. I mean, uh, the the only one that he, comes he, closest to this one earnestly is Cape Fear, really. Um, yeah, Cape Fear is a big. I mean, he's terrifying, similarly terrifying, but that's a big, almost cartoony kind of character. Yeah, um, Taxi Driver is another disturbing role, but in a different way. Um, mm. Awakenings, I enjoyed him in. I just don't know if I don't remember enough of it. Like I, I would have given. Well, that's the Robin Williams is in that, isn't he? Yeah, I think Robin yeah. Williams does a great job in that one. Um, that's also one of his earlier trying to be dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, of those, this would be the one, I guess. Um, the real question is, are there any other Robert De Niro roles that you think he should have been nominated and or won an Oscar for that he wasn't? Um, a little surprised he, he wasn't nominated in supporting for, uh, Goodfellas. Mm. His, his only supporting actor nominations were Godfather part two, which he won and Silver Linings playbook. (laughs) Heat probably. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Heat. Yeah. Yeah. I would have given him probably both him and Pacino. Um. Analyze this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about De Niro. I'm interested in your thoughts on Pesci. Oh, I love him, but that's just I, lo- <laughs> I love little angry Italian men. Um, <laughs> Reminds you, yeah. Of so so Pesci Pesci gets called up by Scorsese and De Niro because he had not made a film in four years, and he was managing an Italian restaurant yes. in like the Bronx yes. when this movie gets into pre production. And this is the beginning of like the great you know triumvirate that is Scorsese, De Niro, and Pesci. Um, so I think he's great in this movie. Um, I think this is one of his actually more subdued performances. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what's up with his teeth in this movie. Is he wearing a piece for like his top teeth? They just feel like he, he it does look like he, yeah, I, it does look like he's wearing, yeah, I don't know, like veneers or something. I don't know. Speaking of another Scorsese movie, he reminds me a lot of, uh, uh, Jonah Hill's character in Wolf <laughs> of Wall Street with, with the teeth. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, I think I, I I really like Joe Pesci in this movie. I also really liked uh, Kathy Moriarty, who plays Vicky. But we can talk about her in a second. Yeah, I know. I mean, Joe Pesci's great. Um, I, I I've I I didn't see The Irishman. I've heard that he potentially kind of phones in in a bit, but I will grant him that because he's like eighty now. Um, it's yeah. a weird performance. Yeah, but like this is a good this is a good early setup for him, and and I love the awkwardness and that he plays that last meeting he has with Jake of just like, just it's, it's, it's exactly the way that you react that, that somebody who's been abused and runs into their abuser and their abusers trying to like, they think that they are, 
performing some sort of penance or whatever it is and just like, oh, we're okay, aren't we? And he wants really not, all he wants is to get out of the situation as fast as possible. And you can see him just, you know, radiate that. And, and that, I think that that's one of his, the, the better parts of his performance in this. That was really well put. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I have anything to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I mean, you know, he is asked to play a lot of different. Actually, if if, if there's one thing, Joe, Joey changes <laughs> a lot from yeah. scene to scene in this movie. Yeah, um, and he like gains some confidence, and like you know, he's you know in the in the very beginning he's like this very meek guy, and then in the middle he's this um, confident businessman that like knows what he's doing and is obviously smarter than Jake. Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, and who cares about Jake and who's and trying who to like him, yeah. get him back on, on the straight and narrow and in like the way that he only can is, is also kind of a toxic, you know, dude yeah. and saying what the fuck is wrong with you and get your shit together and you should know better. And that's about the extent of his love. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I thought he was, you know, I thought, I think he did a really good job. Uh, he does a very impressive imita- um, uh, a, a very impressive impression of um, Tony Shalhoub when he has that mustache. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a that is a weird uh, change at the very end, the the very yeah. last scene when he's he's got the mustache. Just a thing that popped in my head, and I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. I do want to talk about Kathy Moriarty real quick because she was nineteen when this movie was filmed. Jesus, mm. yeah. And she carries herself like a a veteran pro. Yeah, I, I mean she yeah. she is going toe to toe with every person in this movie, uh, like she's been doing it her whole life. Yeah. Uh, so I I thought she was fantastic. I'm actually kind of shocked that we haven't seen more of her. Um, I haven't done really a deep dive into her personal life, but it. it 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 feels weird that I have not really are you, are you seen discounting, any of her. Discounting her a tremendous performance in Casper. Oh my god! Was she in Casper? She's the villain. I forgot Casper. about that. Oh man, looks like she's an analyzed that. Oh, I'm sure that was um, on purpose. Her her top four movies on IMDb are Raging Bull, Soap Dish, The Bounty Hunter, which is the of course uh, 2010 rom com vehicle for Jennifer <laughs> Aniston and Gerard Butler. And analyze that. A movie that does not exist. Yeah, I, I kind of want to do a deep dive on her and see what where where she sort of ended up in life. Yeah, because uh, I I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, no, she, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks. I mean, just just looking at her Wikipedia page, it looks like she's worked consistently. She's been in one or two things a year since 1980, pretty much. Looks like she, yeah, looks like she took a break from 81 to 87. Very strange. Yeah, I. But yeah, it, it's you. You. She doesn't miss a beat. Um, you would think that she was in it for a decade by the time that she shows up in this film. Um, and, and very convincingly plays someone who is stuck in, in a terrible relationship, but also in certain respects does not give a shit and like, and, and gives as good as she gets to a degree. Yeah. Um, and, and, play somebody who 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 makes her decisions internally and is whip smart about it just like just her at the very end when she's she's telling Jake that she's divorcing him from the car and she, the way it's framed is Jake is up we're looking down on her and she's in the car like she's almost like contained but she's the one with all yeah. of the power in that in that scene 
<laughs> and you you can tell immediately just by her disposition the entire time. It's like, nope, I you know this is final. I've been planning it for a while. I'm taking the kids. It's all been done. I have a lawyer. This is it. And she only cracks the window. Yeah, like she doesn't. She like she like uses the car as like body armor yeah. basically because because she knows if she lets him in the car, lets him lets him close the distance, he'll get her back either by you know canoodling yeah. or punching, which is you know the two ways that yeah. Well, conversing con- Jake can really conversely the 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 scene where she the first time she's she's packing her things and getting ready to leave, and he keeps like loving up on her and everything. All of that is skin crawling, but it it is a great performance. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 she, she did a, a great job in this film. She, I mean, of, of all the characters, it's it's her and and Joe Pesci that I feel the most for. Joe Pesci's just a little yeah. bit too much of a dick to his wife and kids, though. So she takes the she's she's <laughs> she's in the number one slot. Yeah, Pe- Pesci, Pe- while he has an arc, is still not a great guy. No, no. I I think by by the end he might be a better guy. But he's not a great no. guy. No, um, he just he just he just doesn't cause as much actual damage as yeah. as Jake LaMotta. I mean, that's the that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, I I we don't see a moment where Joe Pesci hits his wife. No, he's he's a lot of talk. Um, he, this is not to say that verbal abuse is any better than physical abuse. <laughs> true, um, true. But but it's also like it's also you know it's like we're like the culture that these guys come from mm-hmm. would, you know, not only would breed guys like Jake LaMotta, but like would reward guys like Jake LaMotta because, you know, in a world where everybody bigger than you might hurt you in some way, yeah. be, you know, becoming a sort of violent animal, which is a, a raging bull, if you will. Um, is the only can be, can be the only way to protect yourself, which is such a which is not excusing anything. Well, and that's the thing because it's such a weird thing because conversely, and maybe this is in my mind between Raging Bull, but also I've been thinking about grandpas recently. But my uh, my grandfather was off the boat Italian, raised in the Bronx about ten years before Jake LaMotta, um, mm. on Jerome Avenue by Yankee Stadium, and didn't speak a lick of English and was had the piss beaten out of him consistently because he couldn't speak English and was one of the most, at least by the time that I got to know him, kind and giving, like, open people, at least as far as a person from his generation could be. And, like, my mother, like, she, she would always have fights and conflicts from him, but, like, in any story she ever told me, he was never you know, physically abusive or, or verbally any, like he was never that kind of guy that we see in this movie. So it's so strange mm-hmm. or, or it's an interesting contrast for me to see the crucible of growing up an Italian American in the Bronx producing two very different people or types of people. Yeah. And, and you almost wish that you had that contrast in this movie Yeah, yeah. to be like, you know, there were guys that got the piss beat out of them and either couldn't fight back or chose not to fight back and wound up being better people as a result of it. Yeah, and it's it's like, and I think that that's what I, I 
I know that people take from this movie, especially like, again, I grew up in the New York area with a lot of Italian American kids and Italian American film student kids. And the ones that looked at this movie and were like, yeah, man, like the Bronx, you know, it, it made you tough. And it's it, like, it's that, that, that toxic masculinity angle that I think is dangerous because it's a fallacy because it doesn't just produce that. Um, and, and my grandfather would be one of the examples of that. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's one of the things that I feel is a little dangerous is too strong of a word, but, but disingenuous, at least from my perspective. Right. Yeah. And again, I, I think, you know, back at the top of this conversation, that's, that's the exact thing that, you know, film bros take from a lot of Scorsese's movies where that's the, the, the point is to, it's, it's a warning sign to not be that person as opposed it's to not an instruction manual. Yeah. Person. It's not an instruction manual. <laughs> It's a warning, right? Right. Well, and also, it's, it, you, you bringing that up made me made me think about the ending and like, what does it actually cost Jake LaMotta to be a monster? Kind of being a little bit pathetic, not really knowing what to do with himself after his boxing career is over. That's kind of yeah. That's it. He's living comfortably, like he he doesn't. I mean, he's overweight, but that just means that he's eating well. Um. <laughs> And like he's well, and, and yeah. If if the movie had ended in the jail, jail cell, that's a lot different than him rehearsing his speech again, getting ready to go back out on stage. Yeah, but it also wouldn't be true to life because you know Jake Lamotta was at the fucking Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah. When, when you know that the, in nineteen eighty one, I guess one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like things, I mean, Jake Lamotta in real life, bad guy. Things worked out pretty okay. Lived a long, fruitful life. (laughs) Yeah. At least for him. Again, 95. Jesus Christ. Only the good die young. After being a boxer, right? Yeah, that's the thing. The amount of abuse that you put your body through. And, and, you know, I I don't know that it's explicit, but it feels like there are probably some drugs in there. Obviously, a lot of At least alcohol abuse. Yeah. 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 Uh, Like, it's, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he, there's, you know, after the movie ends, he you know gets on Atkins or something and straightens <laughs> out. But like, <laughs> I don't, well, I don't feel like it's likely. And also, like he was, you know, he was known for being um, one of the strongest chins in boxing at the time. Yeah. Like he, he took a lot of punishment. and He took it all to his head. And there, there, I mean, you could argue that there is some sort of like a genetic freak component of just like his skull was built the right way to sustain that, that type of consistent yeah. damage and not melt his brain because obviously like it lived to be 95, but at least had control of most of his faculties in the eighties when he was already, you know, pushing what 60. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, we, we know a lot more about the, how the brain works now. I mean, if this movie would be made now, it would probably be like a CTE drama. Yeah about a guy with brain damage and, and, and impulse control. Yeah, problems. Well, I mean, and conversely, like Muhammad Ali had Parkinson's like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a, a mixed bag of, of what you end up with. But yeah, I, it's, which is again, it's just, it, I, I, which is why I'm reticent to say that this is one of the greatest films ever made. You know, people can gush over it and I will not dispute that it's not technically well-made, but I don't think the themes of the movie are necessarily clear. Um, and I don't think that there's a, a, enough of a strong through line for our subject 
to really merit it. Because in order for me, if, you know, if it's going to be a great film, all of the, the cylinders have to be firing. And this one doesn't have the story beat one going. Um, so I think that that's, that's a, that can, at least in my playbook, that's a major mark against you. I, I, I think I agree. And I think the thing that we can all three end on this and, and agree that Frank probably loves this movie <laughs> and it's his number one favorite. <laughs> and uh, there's so, he's out there somewhere listening to this right now just seething that uh, we didn't actually get it. Um, <laughs> I really uh, enjoyed this conversation. Um, I love going through and... Uh, going back through these movies that I, I certainly uh, should have seen at some point in my life and, and sort of breaking them down with you guys. And uh, I can't wait for the next one. Well, thank you for yes. inviting us on this adventure with you. Um, so far we've, I've rewatched two movies that I haven't seen since college and have really enjoyed my sort of more mature take yeah. on, on them. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm look at you doing some, putting some good in the world. I, I do promise that the next one that I pick will not be so so much of a downer. At least I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I, I, it, it keeps so. going back to like me having to f- pick a real weird left field palate cleanser every time, <laughs> just 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 to give us a break. <laughs> exactly. All right. Until next time, <laughs> we have given no flicks. <sighs> Jesus. Still working on it. The bull box. The bull box. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, remember to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at NoFlixGivenPodcast. See you next time.